Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 15, Episode Number 8, which I may have said at this time last week, for which I apologise. I didn't put it right part of the way through. Uh, I'm live from Thrapston, where it's very dark outside, and it has been snowing today. Uh, meantime, up in London, our executive producer is Tim Greer. Good evening, Tim. Where it has been warm but very breezy with clear blue skies, no snow at all, not even the hint of a little white fluffy cloud. Okay, very good. And in a packed programme tonight we have what? We have nearly all of the usual features. Nearly all. We do not have a big interview tonight, but we have something equally big to uh, fill that slot. We're also going to be previewing the World Superbike Championship, which gets underway at Phillip Island this weekend. Very excited, very excited. Declan Brennan and Nick Damon. Uh, Shazam will be along here to look at what happened at Las what? Vegas. She'll, she'll be along there, will she? No, not along there, along here. All right. Uh, to look at what happened at Las Vegas uh, last weekend. Uh, and we also have uh, all the news uh, and some other bits and pieces. And some other bits and pieces, including... Yeah. Including still to come. Uh, inc- always one of my favourite features. I- including your submissions... Uh, after the FIA WEC quarter at the weekend, six hours of green flag racing, actually just over six hours, six hours and two minutes. Uh, so um, I use the hashtag on that, uh, hashtag RSLWEC, RSLWEC for that if there's something that you want to bring up as we look back at that. And we'll be confirming who's got the invitations from the Asian Le Mans series because that came to a conclusion at the weekend as well. Shuffle your papers, settle in. However, let's have a little bit of parish notices before we get going. Um, some good Twitterage this week, actually. Uh, and a special hello to Miggins Motorsport, who I've been uh, watching uh, a lot. And uh, never change, Miggins. MM, keep it going. Absolutely right. Uh, hello to Brody, who says, Deepest AFAs tonight. I've still got three hours of the Lone Star Lamont to watch. I'll be catching the podcast tomorrow when... Well, while spannering he hasn't said spannering on what I, I do like more detail than that um, Jet's listening in tonight so is Dave Olcock uh, he's ready, he's taping his ribs up uh, uh, Nick and Declan uh, on tonight it could be a bit of a side splitter it will be won't it Stephen Lloyd is listening out for more irate animals and <laughs> after a week's ass absence thanks heavens for, thank heavens, he says, for the podcast. Hello to Alexander Orkin, who's toured in the hall. Looks spectacular. Huge. See, that's the advantage of having a hot pan and a hot fat when you put it in. Uh, Gonzo, so after not listening live, 
for 14 years. Now hampered by local government putting fibre optics here uh, for the next six to eight weeks and an even slower collection, connection than usual. Thank goodness for the point. I presume that's after not missing, missing listening live for 14 years. Gonzo, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast and the ever increasing number of people doing that, which doesn't seem to be affecting our live numbers uh, either. Uh, listening live tonight, first time in a little while. And no gearbox girl, he says, I finished my run already. Uh, still being chased, he says. Uh, right turn lover. Uh, Mum's gone home tonight, so he's tuned in. Uh, hashtag sports car family. RTL, good to, that uh, you're listening in. Good to know you're listening in tonight. 30th a few weeks ago, says Jack Gabriel. I'll be getting the podcast. And my girlfriend Marie has arranged a surprise party with all of my friends. Uh, and two of my favourite marshals, Vincent Sue McMackie, I think that is, aka Bingo Bongo, Heroes in Orange. Absolutely. Jack, enjoy the evening uh, whenever you get to listen to this. Rob Jane is listening live tonight, so is Carol Brink, although she's got an eye on Padres baseball. Can we please make the show work with the game? Well, possibly we can. Chris Sorry Cov- they should be making the game work for the show. Yes. Chris Covlin says no AFAs. Hoping to the, the first to mention Smith-Peterson, Arrow, McLaren and Fernando Alondo race team merger. That spells spam fart, doesn't it? Uh, Ian Rogers. Good evening from Kampala, Uganda, where I'm attending the 20th Africa Water Association Conference and presented at one of the technical breakout sessions. Ian Rogers. You are a star. What did you play the podcast out there yesterday? Uh, listening for the first time in a while, says the oh, Angry Pop Hall. Not sure what I'll listen to while walking the dogs now. Well, you could listen to On The Grid. And we'll have Richard Krill to tell us what's going to be on the grid. On the grid. On the grid. Tomorrow, uh, that'll be at 9 o'clock. Rich in the second half of tonight's programme with a rundown of what will be on the show. Victor Ellis is listening live back in Atlanta after a fabulous winter break in Arizona. On the way to pick up number two daughter. Uh, that's the Gearbox and Blackpool Gearbox girl and fan, Blackpool Japanese fan girl Jenna. She's temporarily, temporarily traded in her point shoes for a lacrosse stick. Excellent. Couldn't you do both? I mean, it'd be a bit avant-garde, but I think we can make that work. Davy Two Bruce checking in. Evening Collective. Hope everybody well. Looking forward to this as are we. Dedrick Baker listening live for the first time in a while. Jeff Easterling looking forward. And would love to hear the thoughts on the MC20 upcoming from Maserati. Mm. I mean, Nick will have a word uh, on that uh, as well. Uh, Ella Philip only getting over a nasty head cold, but awake enough to tune in live. Serafina Chu finally in the right time zone to tune in. Patrick Dron tuning in. Chris Suku. Uh, Electricity Wars, but uh, found a workaround, so no AFAs. Uh, Ted the Toyman tuned in. Tonight, no airfares there. Uh, Shea Adams listening in. Good, because she's on the show tonight. And Kevin Brink uh, is saving the podcast for the drive back down to the desert on Saturday. (sighs) Right. The papers were shuffled earlier, so that means we can get straight to this. latest motorsport news from around the world midweek motorsport i really want to back reference a couple of those tweets go on then 
so which of the uh, RSL team do you think is most likely to have experience with a lacrosse stick? Uh, Nick Damon. Nick? Good evening. Uh, Johnny. Uh, good evening, Tim. Good evening, everybody. Uh, have, Johnny. Have you He's played lacrosse? lacrosse? No, I know someone who does, though. Mm. I know that Shea Adams got a lacrosse stick in a, a lounge room. So obviously Shay Adams should have been the correct answer there. Right. Okay, I was. Uh, and Alexander Orkin's hot pan with hot fat. Yes. Uh, which former Formula One driver also wanted a hot pan with hot fat uh, yesterday? Oh, I don't know. Former Formula One driver. Yes. Um, that would be the Hulk. No, it wouldn't. It would be Stoffel Van Dorn. Oh. Who was presented with a waffle iron and said, how do I make pancakes with this? Yeah, good point. It was Fat Tuesday yesterday. That just means it's Ash Wednesday today, so I hope you've all been fasting and abstaining. I've just had a piece of Bruce Jones' birthday cake, so no. Ah, right. Well, it wasn't meat, though, so that's fine. That's abstinence. One meal and no meat. That's fast and abstinence. It's a holy day of obligation today. Anyway, have you got... The uh, top story there. A top story is from Buriram in Thailand. Right. Where the Asian Le Mans series concluded with a victory for Thunderhead Carling Racing on Sunday morning. Mm. Uh, and it means we can now crown some champions. Shall we do Our that? First then? champions of 2020. Can we, have a, can we not have some kind of fanfare for this? We should have some kind of, you know. I, I, can, I can provide a fanfare. Can you? Do you have a trumpet, Nick? <laughs> well, people have said. It's um, that's just the way trousers are hanging, isn't it? Uh, I was waiting for you to go there. Moving on. More of a trombone, anyway. Um, yes, I think you've turned Nick down too far there, John, by the no, way. No, I'm, no, really, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> so, LMP2 <laughs> champions uh, are G-Drive Racing by Algarve Pro. They're second Ta-da! in a row. LMP2 AM champions are Rick Ware Racing. They were already crowned the team's champions they before they went there. As we uh, the LMP3 champions are Nielsen Racing. Yeah, very good. And the GT champions are Hub Auto Corsa Ferrari. Now, all of those get an, invi- invitation. an invitation to Le Mans this year. Yes, June this year. So, And who else got invitations? Hang on, let all me right. tell you about their invitations. All G-Drive right. Racing by Algarve Pro... Get an LMP2 invitation. Yes. Uh, Rick Ware Racing also get an LMP2 racing, but invitation, subject yeah. to the approval of the selection committee, could swap that for an LMGTE AM invitation. Okay, that's interesting. Nielsen Racing will get an invitation in their choice of LMP2 or LMGTE AM. Right. And Hubble uh, Corsa get an LMGTM invitation. Yeah. And who else got invitations? Because it wasn't just the winners, was it? Yes. Oh, was it? Yes. I thought they added some extras in. don't no? believe so. Okay, well. Um, and aren't the rest, or at least some more invitations, going to be announced tomorrow or sometime this week? Or did I in, make in the coming the weeks. All right, in the coming weeks. what the ACO says. <laughs> really? Okay. Fine. In there... Uh, vagueness. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to everyone who uh, won anything in the Asian Le Mans series, particularly as uh, there were some difficult conditions, not at Buriram, but uh, uh, a week ago. Okay, yeah, very good. I think it's been a, um, I think it's been a successful season, there's no doubt, and we've had um, Cyril Tashval and um, 
on a couple of times, haven't we, recently? And there's no doubt in my mind, Nick Dearman, that that is a series that has been effectively taken by the scruff of the neck when the ACO took it back over themselves and brought it in-house, sent Cyril and his team to look after it. And there's no doubt that it's been on the rise since then. No, it's, it's, it's um, remarkably successful. It reminds me a little bit of the ELMS, which uh, you and I both went to that race in, what was that, 2010, when there were 12 cars. It was, Donington. It was dead. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I know the first year in for the ELMS, they were struggling, well, personally, I should say, I suppose now, uh, for grids. But it's all about building things slowly. And, and they've they found a, a formula that works over there, just as um, the, the ELMS has also found a formula. Um the only one struggling for a point at the moment is the WEC, but no, we won't not talk about that. But certainly, LMS, um, yeah, I, I, and, and I think they're resisting the they're resisting the temptation to overexpand as well, which is which is very good of them because that's the, that's the thing that could cause problems. Yeah, and and they've struggled as you say, but they've met those challenges uh, head on and didn't have everybody at the last race because of current health warnings uh, in the area, and of course, one or two people coming back from those races will be subject to self-quarantine procedures because uh, uh, Thailand, Malaysia and a number of other places were put on the list for self-quarantine but here in the in the UK, whether or not you're showing any uh, symptoms uh, of influenza. Um, and there were a lot of influenzas out there, apparently. Um, they're at everything now. Uh, uh, later on in the show, you can have your say on that. Well, you can have your say on that at any time. Uh, but also be looking at your points arising, questions, comments, observations uh, on the FIAWEC quarter, which was on uh, Sunday night, UK time. Uh, use the hashtag RSLWEC to have a chat with that, because we didn't really have a time to do PRT after that, so we'll have a few of that. be interesting to hear what you thought of that, some controversy particularly in LMP1 with how the handicap um, success handicap was working. Good race in LMP2, great race in GTE, Pro and um, and more people than I've seen at quarter for a little uh, a little while. So that's later on in the show. Get your tweets in at Specutainment uh, and if you uh, want to talk about the WEC hashtag RSL WEC. Where to next, Tim? Uh, the VGPC. VGPC. Uh, Very good people's company. Mm, no. Veteran golfers, please crack. No. Okay. Go on then. What is it? The Vietnam Grand Prix Corporation is pleased oh, to right. announce. <laughs> we could have been on that for a month. We'd have never got it, would we? Yeah. Uh, Hang on, what's, Hanoi, what is this? What is it? Wait a second, Tim. The, the what, Hanoi what is circuit is uh, it's about Hanoi. Uh, the no, Hanoi circuit else, is complete. Right, we, we, we've, not, we've not changed suddenly to anything particularly. You see what he's saying Circuit now. news. Ah, okay. Fair Circuits enough. are used uh, for all sorts of things. This one's going to be I used think... for around the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia. Fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, they've, they've, they're producing pictures. They've built a marvellous track. And the question is, they have built it, but will anyone come? May not be able to. Mm. Well, certainly um, the Formula 1 teams are going. They've uh, emphasised that again today. Yes, That's because today to they're going, yes. Mm. But... Um, it's moving. Um, the, the, the coronavirus is moving around, and it's going to it's going to claim several more events. 
Vietnam itself obviously has very low infection rates at the moment, but it's it's the, the fear of, of going. So whether we end up with a, a weird situation where we end up with a host feed with everyone doing it down the line from their various studios in their various hometowns as far as the, the PR is concerned. That's what the Germans um, have said. Is yeah, it? Kai Abel yeah. is not going to Vietnam. Is that what he, did he say, I don't I, like it, but I'll have to live with it? I, I kind of think we Kai. Surely he's, his bright clothing would frighten anything away. Yes, yes, that's no, absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a very, very, very difficult situation, and it's one of those things where everyone's definitely, definitely, definitely going till they're not, and when they say they're not, there's a good reason for it, but that's really it. I mean, it's, um, you know, we, we, we personally, uh, we have an event we, we're supposed to be at um, in Monza in a month's time, and that's, you know, I'm desperately hoping that's not going to fall foul but it may well do it's very close to the northern italian outbreak um so you know it's it's the, the vietnam circuit looks great you know there's a possibility that two three or four of the opening races will be lost and then you know not wish to get too geopolitical about it but eventually this virus is going to be everywhere um because it's obviously already spreading and therefore the question is do we then stop going anywhere and stay at home or do we just go everywhere because everywhere is the same well i'm I'm fine because um, I self-isolate all the time because I don't have a social life. So no one like- it's because nobody <laughs> likes me. Is that what you've said? <laughs> oh, right. I've noticed you've stopped coming as that's well. That's why you weren't at Millbrook yesterday, John. That's right. That's why neither Who Nick... Was? Who, Who was? was? Who was? Who? Yes. Yes. Oh, don't, don't open that That's one like picking at a scab, that is. That's picking at a scab. <sighs> it's too early. Too Who, early. who, who wasn't at... Uh, <laughs> At uh, uh, Millbrook, though, because uh, he's playing baseball and is on first base. Mm-hmm. Who's on first? No, I don't think he's on first. That's right, yes. No. Uh, so that's Kid Vietnam. Comedy routines from the 30s later. Well, that's, that's two major comedy references we've had in already. And uh, Declan spotted one of them, which was I'm very sure good. Declan is a fan of Abbott Costello as well. Alan Prosser says, surely VGPC stands for Vegan Goats Politically Correct. Well, I think all goats are vegan, aren't they? Oh, no. What? No. Oh, no goats, do, goats eat anything, don't they? Goats will eat anything, is a good point. Uh, you mentioned uh, Monza uh, yes. there. Uh, 12 hours of Monza uh, could very much be under threat with the Italian government... Uh, shutting down all sporting events including one at Monza this week right uh, what, what have they shut down at Monza this week uh, some regional series ah ok well they've um, closed the football there, haven't they they've got the, yes, they, no against Juve is going to be, no, be played behind closed doors no rugby yeah, but the weird thing is that, well, that, that game is next week in Dublin yes <laughs> Yes, you don't want uh, to spread it to Ireland. Can I? Can I? The Irish, remember, uh, stopped all rugby when there was foot and mouth going on. Yes, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, listen, people are dying. It's you know, it's fortunately, although it's tremendously, this new version of of SARS um, is uh, terribly. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It spreads very quickly. Contagious. Um, it's very contagious. Thank you. Um, it's very contagious, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't have high degrees of um, morbidity, so it doesn't kill uh, the mortality. mortality. Sorry, um, 
so it doesn't kill very many people, thank goodness. But it doesn't matter because anybody clearly it's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a personal tragedy uh, and a tragedy for their families. And and if we as we said this before about motorsport when the Aussie fires were burning, and we've said it before in other things, it's not that important. It's only motorsport, and it's not that important. We'll deal with it, and either the events will happen or the won't happen. Um, it's not going to kill motorsport off. We'll, once we'll, it's passed over or everybody's got it, who's going to get it, then we'll move on or we won't and you know we can still sit here on a Wednesday and talk about motorsport that might have happened sometime in the past so it doesn't matter we've look we could we can make a two-hour show about motorsport whether or not there's been motorsport because we can speculate on a whole range of things can't we and we have in the past <laughs> and we have in the past yeah. and there's always auctions going on there's always so auctions always and game shows a game show related to uh, Dale of the Century. And, and don't forget, nothing will stop NASCAR. <laughs> Not Apart yet. Apart from rain. Apart from rain, yes, good point. Um, uh, Creventic is preparing a backup, backup plan, plan for the Monza 12 Hours with an alternate circuit uh, in case the Italian government takes further steps uh, to cancel uh, more events at Monza. Andrew so. Merther has just tweeted in at Spectre 10, says one of my suppliers, suppliers at work in the auto industry, Tier 2, is currently closed for business due to the coronavirus. Their factory is a wheel nuts throw from the Monza circuit. Uh, one of our producers here at RSL uh, has uh, recently hosted uh, a visit from his father, who uh, lives in Genoa. So there we go. Is that in the so, hot zone, is it? Yes, it is. All oh, right, okay. Okay, moving on. Uh, Singapore uh, Grand Prix also going ahead, by the way. At the moment. Yes. Uh, Which other circuit is nearing completion? Miami. (laughs) Uh, Zandvoort. Zandvoort. Oh, yes. Looking good, isn't it? Did you see that video I sent through? Thank you to Marco Barisvard, who who sent that through uh, to me. I think that is going to be... If you haven't seen it, go and search on YouTube... um, other video sites are available, but it might not be on that one. Um, the uh, and, and have a look at it. There's a whole bunch of Marshalls cars driving around. And what that looks to me, Nick, is what we said at the first place is, I, it's going to be stunningly fast and brilliant for qualifying, but I'm not sure how it'll race. I think I think it, they've done a good job. They, they've banked enough. Actually, three of the corners are banked, so they, there's, you know, they're, they're helping the cars to go as fast as possible. The idea behind banking the last corner is, is an angle where they can still run DRS through the corner to get a slingshot onto the main straight and outbreak into the Tarzan hairpin. I'm not sure. I don't th- I, I'd be very, very surprised if anyone can get past without a, a tyre advantage. Um, it's still a very tight circuit, but I, you know, much like Hungary, which is a terrible circuit to race on, but actually is a very good circuit to drive around and, and to qualify on. Um, you know, I think that, that it's going to be fantastically exciting for the for the Saturday, and then we're, we're going to have to improvise on the Sunday. Mm. Uh, what um, uh, what else is blisteringly fast today? What Robert Kubica. Well, we could beat C, yes. I'm sorry, but this is definitely not circuit news. No. Oh, okay. Let's do some Formula <laughs> One testing news. Hooray! Like I've got a catchphrase, I'm going to keep it. Uh, yes, Robert Kibitz are blisteringly fast. He's not even a current Formula One driver. 
Robert Kubica getting his half day uh, as a sop to the uh, extra title sponsor Alfa Romeo got with Orlen, who of course are a Polish company. And he went out towards the end of this morning on the softest tyres with not much fuel and went fastest. And well done. I love what he said. Uh, he said, uh, going around, trying to find three tenths of a second last year in the Williams, in the team awful Williams, running around in a 20, was so much harder than driving in the 16s today, uh, in the car he was driving today. So well, it's it, in fairness to Williams, both Nicholas Latifi and George Russell weren't going for a time. Did one eighteen three and one eighteen five. Well, so. that's a, it's, a, it's, it's slightly less team awful Williams now, isn't it? Not, it's not about sure. half I mean, as bad. I, I don't know. I think they might uh, they might actually end up being attached to the back of the fields. They might not be awful at all. Mm. Well, no, they'll still be awful. There just won't be a gap. I, I think they'll yeah. be ahead of the uh, horses on a very regular basis. Do you? Yeah, it's not looking Unless good for Haas. Haas have got something that they're hiding and uh, not testing in public. And Now, I, I can see... It's interesting, actually, because Declan's just written something which is interesting. He's written that Prost F1 dominated the test in 1998. Yes, they did, but that's beyond the old rules. Remember, you can't do that anymore. Because in the old testing, you just went out and there was no scrutineering. All the cars at the test today conform to the regulations, i.e. they are at the minimum weight. Therefore, what Prost did was take all the weight out and run massively under. could not be done anymore. So these are as genuine a time as it can be, given the fact they are running lighter because they're not having as much fuel or they turn the wick up. But it's not the same as the olden days of uh, of. Uh, sand, uh, well, uh, reverse sandbagging. It's reverse sandbagging to to touch up sponsors. So uh, it is a more reasonable thing. Uh, who uh, <laughs> thinks their car is not as good as last week? Not as good as last week. Hmm. Um, God, oh, a I week's a long time in Formula One, man. I don't know. I'm looking at the times. Who's not done very well? Well, obviously, uh, Danny Rick, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Oh, really? Okay. Well, after 90 laps, didn't like it as much. No. He was also running on um, special construction tyres. He was running on the Zandvoort banking tyres. Yes, which I don't see how that's going to help him when he's running on a track with no banking. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that it feels better on some days and worse on the others. And obviously, it always, after the... the, the high of last week, it always helps to give the team a kick up the backside and say, it's it, no, the car's rubbish now. Um, even though all the long runs say it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Keep the pressure on, don't back it off, keep the pressure on, and that's and that's the way Mercedes work. So, uh, listen, we, we've solved the problem for Formula One. Uh, Ferrari um, might not be able to travel, they might not be let into Australia. Um, they A lot have been made of the fact that they uh, had a charter plane to get to Barcelona, but they do that around Europe all the time. I'm led to believe, but we can solve it now because just give McLaren, give McLaren, give Mercedes and Lewis the trophies now, and then you know they don't have to worry about the 22 races this year. Or maybe you could run them, you know, um, on no run them on it's a board game, you know, like Formula One, the old Formula One board game with oh, the, the yeah. dice and that. And you throw six and you get an incident card. Yeah. Well, you see, the problem is the cards are so reliable now. You have to throw a seven with a six-card side die. Um, 
And there's that no, one that says, um, you have sent the car out with a loose wheel. Yes, we're looking at you, Haas. Again. Mm. Following last and week's again. news that Imola wanted to stage Chinese Grand Prix, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which circuit's thrown its hat the, into the... second most virus. Which circuit's thrown its hat into the ring this week? Oh, oh no, this one. No, no, I know. I heard that um, Hockenheim uh, was having a, a sniff as well, or, or was being sniffed at. No, I haven't heard a new one this week. Who's this week's team? This Is it Brands Hatch with Nico uh, Falston? It's not uh, Brands Hatch. No, it's not in Portugal. All right. Good, good call. It's Mugello. Mugello? You know, it's not a great one, is it? No. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> but apparently right. it is available that weekend. Excellent. And also in Italy. <laughs> and so it's in So Ferrari would love it. Mm. See, it needs to be in the um, south of Italy, so you need to go somewhere like Vallelunga or somewhere like that. Go to Enna. Enna. Enna Bagusa. Fuck. I'm going to Enna this year. Are you? To yes. see what? Uh, auto. Are they called Auto GP? I don't know. It's some Formula 3000 clone. Clone. Mugello mm. yes, would be good for Formula 1. But I think that's too narrow. Hot, hot sauce one, Too them. narrow. Moving on. to go around there, Formula 1, Carl. Moving on. Uh, who had a little spin? Uh, right at the end, Max was Max was yes. right at the end. Mm-hmm. And they reckon it was an engine problem. It was an uh, engine problem, but locked up. And they also had a problem, didn't they have a problem with, the, was, it, was it Gasly couldn't run many laps because of a potential engine problem or something, or an engine issue this morning. Uh, uh, Gasly seems to be doing a lot thing. of uh, filming uh, with a chef, so uh, maybe... Both the Honda well, engine teams had problems. Uh, issues prevented him from the, uh, testing. Two completely Stuck. separate issues, Nick. Um, both mm. of which, uh, one which was apparently a pipe, and the other one which was suspension. Slippers. Yes, slippers, that's <laughs> right. Uh, very good. Uh, <laughs> suspension. And they both surfaced after their installation lap. Both completely different. Neither of them allegedly Honda-related, but spookily both took almost identical amounts of time to fix, and then were out within um, about 30 seconds of each other. After I get the feeling three hours we, in the pits. We, I get the feeling that we could be on for some more of those famous alternator failures. Yes. When the alternator was grenaded off the car by the, the engine exploding. Mm. Uh, oh dear, I don't, we don't. Re- I mean, it, I, it's probably a little bit embarrassing as one of the um, the many um, pre-test. Uh, missives was that Honda wants to ensure no engine penalties all season. Yeah. Um, Good luck with that. That was a big aim, and they've had two minor issues, which would at least have stopped the car, whether it needed a new motor, who knows, um, on the first day of the test. But that's what testing's for, of course. Um, well, that's, it's, that it's is true. Round out these issues. Uh, I've just um, seen. It is, I've just seen uh, Daniel Kriet said there was nothing wrong with the car uh, 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 that caused him to stop on the track. For no apparent reason, so not right, not a, bit a car lost. problem. He just maybe forgot maybe where he was. just uh, fancied a walk across some gravel in the heat. Um, Ted the Toy Man has tweeted in. I expect you tell him a quote from Gary Taylor, the former Suzuki uh, team manager. Pre-season testing is like Michelangelo, what the Sistine Chapel ceiling will look like before he's even put up the scaffolding. I think that's that's fantastic. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure there's some, 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 there's some good pencil outlines at the end of it. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, true. You know, we'll know a few things. Um, I, I don't know if we're going. Are we, we going to just mention 
Das, or was that already last week's news? We didn't discuss well, it last week, we on Thursday. We didn't really discuss it because no one knew what it was last Wednesday. Who's uh, gone... That's not true. Who, who's decided that they're not going to pursue Das? Everybody. Well, what I really liked was... That, I've loved this. This, this. this is my joke, but it was brilliant because Ferrari today said, um, you know, oh, yeah, we, we thought of Das, and, uh, yeah, and it's... Uh, you know, we, we decided against it. And they say, in other news, Fry Reed, you have a girlfriend. She just goes to the other school. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my joke. I'm probably on Twitter to do that. Um, who's great. just it's got... Exactly yeah, we thought of it. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, we didn't wait. It was rubbish. Yeah, right. Who, who, which, what long-term former ProDrive employee has just rocked up at at um, Mercedes-Benz? Because ProDrive were Doing installing years ago. the virtues of it for road cars 12 years ago. Well, they did it on a sports yeah. car, didn't they? Oh, a rally car, didn't I think they? they tried it on a rally car. Yeah, absolutely. The, mean, th- the thing is about all of that, and Alex Brundle was very good on this, um, and we must have Alex on the show again soon, and I know he'll be listening tonight, um, and I, I, Alex was very good on this. We'd been talking on the Wednesday, Nick, you and I, last Wednesday, God, it seems like a month ago already, <laughs> about the what, what Mercedes had done to the back end of the car and the difference in suspension geometry to the back end of the car which was really interesting and it was heavy because of the change in angle and the lateral loads that they needed to take and how that then freed up airflow around the back and 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 quite um obviously that was all linked in to the movable front end of the car to make the whole thing work i, I think it's a genius bit of of lateral um, pun absolutely intended. Uh, lateral thinking from um, from the guys to make it work. It'll be a one-year wonder. Everybody else well, it's is banned for 2021, well, so it, it has to be exactly. That's what I'm saying. So well, it's a, it a one-year wonder, it, but it, everybody it else is going to be panicking year. about it. Yeah, and, and in fairness, actually banning it for next year is actually quite good because that, that is actually cost-cutting because next year everyone would have had it. Yeah. And it will cost them, and now they, now they haven't even got to bother. They've got to make a, a value judgment: is it worth developing it for half a season? Um, and perhaps Ferrari and Red Bull might think if it is, if it starts showing some promise. Um, but it means that all the other teams haven't got to develop it. And I know people are stifling innovation. Well, yeah, but it's not adding anything. It's very clever, well done. They've got their prize, which is one year's use mm. before anyone else. But after that, it just becomes something everyone has to do. Becomes self-defeating. Has nothing to show and just costs money. You Did know, you so see uh, Ted Kravitz's uh, explanation of how it works? It wasn't brilliant. It was better than it was um, Will Buxton. It was better than Will Buxton. He was going about pizza boxes. And I, sometimes I do actually, I do wonder if I know if Buxton actually understands F1. But hey ho. Let's move on to two wheels now because the World Superbike Championship gets underway yes, this weekend yes. at uh, Phillip Island. And uh, we're going to keep Nick for this, and also introduce Declan Brennan. Good evening, Declan. Hello, everybody. How are you all? He's he's very well. (laughs) All of you, excellent, tremendous, except for the people who are uh, who have uh, uh, whatever it's called, uh, avian flu, SARS. No, apparently you can't call it that now. So COVID nineteen. It's like it sounds like a really bad Steven Seagal film. But but you you know that just stands for coronavirus. That's the COVID bit. And, and 19, yeah. ID is identified in 19, 2019. So it's, it's not the work of a moment, is it, really? No. Uh, moving on. 
So this weekend uh, we have um, this weekend we have Phillip Island as the season opener for World Superbike, and uh, it's another year, Declan, where we are going to say, is this going to be the year where Honda take it seriously and actually get some uh, get get some kind of leverage with the the new Fireblades, uh, so important to them? Is this going to be their year? Do, do I give you the short answer or the long answer? <laughs> We've got about half an hour for this, Dex. So. I'd go for long well, if I were you. 25 yeah. okay, minutes. The, the, long, the long answer is definitely not. And, uh, and, the, short and the short answer, answer was answer no. Is no. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is a year in which they are going to make massive leaps forward. Uh, they are going to, I'd say they might win a race towards the end of the year, but there's, I think they've got too much work to do. Uh, and weirdly, John, I know this sounds strange to say already, but weirdly, there's already question marks about the personnel because Bautista's ability to get used to an inline four mm. uh, might be the downfall of the program this year uh, because right now he can't ride it. He can't. He can't make it go fast. He's half a second behind Leon Haslam, and uh, all things being equal, that should not be the case. He is genuinely struggling with uh, the idea of of getting in and out of the corners fast, not carrying speed through them, but but getting the thing stopped, turned upright, and started again. It's just not anything like the way he has ridden V4s for the last decade, and it is absolutely uh, it it's it's proven to be a major problem. And this is not the work of a, uh, a half baked program. This is, you know, the testing has, has been overseen where possible by Alberto Puig, you know, who runs the, the MotoGP program. This is run out of the same factory. This has got more Japanese engineers than ever, uh, you know, throwing resources at this. And, and while they're making progress, uh, are they going to win this year? Almost certainly not. No. Uh, I'd love to be proven wrong because I'm, as you know, I'm I'm the founder member of the Albert uh, uh, the Alvaro Batista fan club, and I really like Leon Haslam. I, I can't believe that it's 18 years since HRC were in World Superbikes, and of course that was Colin Edwards' year. Um, and, and before anybody says Jim Tors James Torsland won Honda the title in 2007 with. Um, Eight out of ten car tier racing. Oh, that's yours. <laughs> Nine have... out of ten car racing. Yeah, um, which is uh, fantastic. But that wasn't a full factory effort, uh, of course, either. Um, they're not. I mean, they're not coming in to make up the numbers, though. If Honda come into something, and particularly Dex, if HRC come into something, then they they will want to show some promise because that that's just what they do. Yeah, and and it will happen, John. And I'm I'm I was specifically uh, responding to, to 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 the framing of your question regarding this season. I think th- they're in this to win it, and they're in this longer term. But I do think that they they have put a lot of eggs in in the Bautista basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're paying him a lot of money. They're paying him, I think, three times or more what he was being paid by uh, by uh, well, maybe double what he was being paid by. Uh, uh, by Ducati, and uh, he they expect him to win, and 
and right now I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, I think they're going to get much more competitive as things go. I think unless he finds a solution literally over the next couple of days before they get down to actual uh, racing when it counts uh, tomorrow, uh, Australian time, uh, I'm I'm struggling to see how, how they make the impact particularly this year, John, because if we're previewing the championship, as Nick will hopefully agree with me, this is the strongest it's been for a while and the most exciting it's been for a while in terms of of, uh, competition towards the front end of the field. And part of that, Nick, is because there's two more uh, Ducati teams in the championship with the new Panigale V4R, and they're, they're not messing about either. Um, with multiple entries for the V4. No, I think I mean uh, Jack, I think you know, this is an interesting slow growth of competitiveness within the w- WSBK. I mean, it's you know it, two or three years ago it, it did become a Jonathan Ray benefit because Jonathan Ray was was very very good, but he was fighting against Tom Sykes on the same bike, and everyone else was a bit of an also round. He'd had you know uh, Melandry turned up, won a couple of races, and then it, it did what Melandry did, which was you know, have coffee one week, win a race the next week, you know, go on holiday the following week. So there's no consistency. But you've got the full works effort, obviously from Kawasaki carries on with. Um, Johnny Ray looking to win number six, but of course he's now got Alex Lowe's as his teammate, who's struggling much as Leon Haslam did as his teammate in comparative times. BMW have a resurgence um, with Tom Sykes and Eugene Laverty, so you know they've come back again. You know it's, it was a mystery how the, the, the company that makes by far the most accomplished superbike road bike has failed to do anything really in world superbike you know i've had two of those things what seven eight years ago they're fantastic and constantly the the best actual bike to own um, but but they've they've never had the engine program decks with that bike i mean they were virtually running a bog standard engine to start with weren't they a road going engine they are this that that program has has changed uh almost we're talking about yes the thousand uh, dollar yes uh, almost unrecognizably and and you can tell by by the fact that laverty and sykes are, are now together they they were hamstring a little bit before by the by the absolute uh the imperative to run a german rider which they did uh and and who wasn't good enough uh but but the pressure is on both sykes and laverty now laverty because it's been more than half a decade since he was competitive and that's a lot of it that's due to uh, obviously moving away to MotoGP for a while and then being injured and not being not on good bikes, but he's on a factory bike now. And Sykes is it has the program where he wants it because it's he's effectively had it his way for a couple of years. But they now, interestingly, if you read what Steve English has been writing recently, who I, I, I love very much and a big shout out to him for some of the research I've done, great writer. But he's he's suggesting that uh, there's like a sword of Damocles is, han- is hanging over both Sykes and Laverty in terms of uh, contracts for next year. This is like a, a year that BMW have basically said, right, we've made slow progress. We've made progress. Now it's about winning. Now it's about putting this thing back up the front. Yeah. So they're expecting uh, big things. Like Sykes has always been a great qualifier. Even when he was up against, as Nick mentioned, when he was up against Ray, he would often qualify ahead of him and and, and lead for two or three laps, and then Ray would pick him off. And I think he's got a, he has to prove it now that that right. he can he can put the whole but thing there, together. Well, there, I think it was quite interesting. A lot of the con- 
concentration um, within the test within BMW was actually to extend the rear tire life. And I yeah. think that's Sykes is a big man. And I think that's often been his issue has been getting the tire to last the entire race or last in the, in the, in the same condition as people like Ray, who are fantastic. They're, they're light on their loafers on the rear, on the rear tire. So they've, yes. or, they've there's a weakness. Let's see if we can find setups to get La- around that. Laverty also obviously is coming off the back of a number of injuries and hopefully a fully yes. fit Laverty. who don't forget was a runner up in this championship about what, six, seven years ago, which I actually did forget till I saw until I read it yesterday. Uh, uh, is you know, is a is a proven winner as well. But let's, I mean, just to underline what you guys are saying, the top 17 riders in the pre-season test at Phillip Island, which was wet at times, uh, and a number of people, including Jonathan Ray, Scott Redding, Alvaro Batista, and Loris Barza, which more in a moment, um, all f- fell off. 1.5 seconds between the top 17. I mean, th- that's extraordinarily close. I know it's a, you know, it's only a 90-second lap. But even so, um, Alex, I want, I want to talk about Alex Laws. Um, he was in 12th, um, but barely second uh, for that for his Kawasaki team. And um, Alex Laws, what, what, what do we think? We know what the big names are. We know that um, Johnny Rear is sharp end of the field for Kawasaki. Alex Laws, has he got a breakout? Has, he, has this got to be a breakout season for him or a delivery season, Dex? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn into Nick here and be very cynical about Alex Lowe's. I believe that Kawasaki hired him uh, to with the veneer of hiring an equal for Jonathan Ray when in fact they absolutely know that they haven't. They haven't. Uh, and they don't need an equal for Jonathan Ray. And, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm look because yes, he's quick, and you know his riding style has meant that that he hasn't had that that much adjustment to. And he, there's not really an excuse for him to be able to adjust to the ZX10 or and and yet the times are indicating that that uh, like I said uh, at the end of last year in our show that the team seemed to be all very much running with a one and a two and he's not hasn't he hasn't given any indication yet that Ray is going to have a problem from his teammate and uh, and I'm not sure Kawasaki even want that Nick well I think uh, I think the the fact that I would say and I think uh, yeah, you can you can talk about differences across championships but the two the two best motorcycle riders in the world over the last three or four years would be Mark Marquez and Johnny Ray. Um, you know, they are the best. And therefore, you don't expect um, you know, Alex Marquez to reach Mark or any real teammate to be as good as Mark Marquez. So you know, do we, are, we unna- are we unnaturally unfair on the teammates, you know, including you know, last, last year uh, with Leon Haslam, to expect them to, to meet someone who's become an absolute you know, charter mark for the sport? And, yeah. and you, know, we, we, you, know, you cannot underestimate what Johnny did last year coming back from 86 points. I know there was some, there was some heavy foot shooting by Alvaro, <laughs> but even so, to come back from, was it, I think it was 66 behind to win by 83 is, is, is unheard oh, of. It, it was, it, yeah, the whole thing was sensational. But, and, and it was his best. It was his, to me, it was, it, was, it was the greatest accomplishment of his career. And if he wins it again... I think it's that oh, this well, year, this year, because and this is something that you guys will know better than me. But, but to me, how much more can what more can they squeeze out of that Kawasaki? That That's platform is five years old. The the Yamaha is is effectively the, the work they've done. It's a couple of years old. The, 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 this is this should be the best year 
they should have made more uh, development on the on the Panigale this year. This should be with and with with Reading on it. They've no excuse. Well, but here's uh, the other thing, Dex. It's not just the works teams in in those seventeen we're talking about. And let's talk now about Lawrence ba- Lawrence Baz, because he was second in the preseason test, the most recent preseason test, and he's not even used the 2020 engine yet. So he's on last year's this year's bike with last year's engine. He's expecting that the pace will step up come Friday when they're back on, on the bike. I mean, that's extraordinary for Loris Bars, who's, you know, the, we, we talk about um, Frenchmen in uh, in MotoGP with Fabio um, Quattararo. Um, but Listen let's... Carefully, not, Nick. Um, but <laughs> but, but Loris Bars is, is flying the Tricolor um, in, in World Superbikes, and alright, I know it's, it's, it's just practice, but I mean, on, with last year's engine, second to Johnny Rear. No, I'll tell you now, John, he won't be in the top five of any of the three races at the weekend. Ooh, I disagree. Complete, I, I 100%, I 100% well, disagree. What, okay, I'm, 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 you make your case first, Nick. Why not? Because it's testing. We have got the strongest works set of bikes. There are 10 works bikes from five factories, seven of them with Brits on board, by the way. Only three, only three non-Brits uh, in the works ride, and the, the, which includes the whole of the Yamaha team, and Michael van der Mark and Toprak. That's what we have to say. Um, and, and that's got a lot to you. Thank you very much. But seriously, I, th- there's just too much talent there. You haven't seen Chas Davis and uh, Scott Redding really push the top of the timesheets. And Scott's, you know, I think Scott is the the the, the mystery enigma man. If, if the right um, Scott turns up then there's every single chance, especially at Phillip Island, which is a Ducati circuit. He oh, can yeah, win first win time doubt. out. I've no doubt he'll win. I'm expecting Scott Redding to win uh, at Phillip Island. Absolutely so expecting got, that to happen. Redding and Davis will, well, if Davis stays on, he'll be in the top five. Hang on. I gave you... stop talking. I gave you... I gave you your chance to make uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Baz. There's too many other riders, good riders, it works rides, and he won't make it. Loris Bars, the case for Declan Brennan. It, it, the case is effectively uh, based on the, the progression they made from the fact from the point that they started midway through last season when Tenkata obviously had lost the Honda contract, were out, and then they came back in as a private team with Loris Bars, who'd lost his MotoGP ride. They came came in and slowly but surely they began to make quite obvious progress to the point where at the end of last season, you could tell that there was something very good going on between Baz and and that team on on that bike. And none of his performance across all of testing, not just uh, the fact that he was second quickest uh, in the combined times at Phillip Island, nothing about his performances in testing so far this year made me think that he can't finish outside the top five. In fact, I, and I believe uh, as a talent and, and this, this is a, there's another argument about how good MotoGP riders are and, uh, uh, or guys who've had time in MotoGP like Batista, like Redding, like Baz. And, and I believe that they are the, that, that if you, uh, if you've been able to hold your own in MotoGP, that, that you means you're a fairly special breed, uh, particularly nowadays. And I think Baz is a really talented rider. And and so I'm I'm suggesting Nick that uh, he did you say he won't finish in the top five of any of the three races this weekend? That's what he said. And he's I'm betting, saying he's betting a Rolex on it. I am not betting a Rolex on it. 
<laughs> and Dex, you say? I think he will. I think he absolutely will. Okay, well, we'll find out next uh, next week. Scott Redding, uh, uh, rookie. Well, World Superbike rookie. Anyway, he got down in the 92nd bracket. Uh, still learning the qualifying tyre. Uh, a number of people, some of riders uh, with that as well. He's teamed up with Chaz Davies, of course, for Aruba uh, Racing on the Ducati. Uh, sixth for Redding. Davis, 11th. Uh, Tom Sykes with mentioned BMW and Eugene Laverty. Uh, Tom was in the 131s. What did Eugene was working on his swing arm and chassis. Uh, he was ninth overall. Uh, a, a bit of an odd, a bit of an odd one for Pata Yamaha. Um, top rack um, didn't. Oh, top rack. He he looked good early in the test couldn't uh, replicate that when it got slightly worse conditions although the team did say he was trying to get a good race pace but he's improving decks on the qualifying tyre and, and that's important because the the super pole race ha- hasn't necessarily been his strength yeah but interestingly i think uh, of all the riders i think super pole that, that that mentality of Super Bowl should should suit him and does suit him to some extent. I think he's in a great position this year. Uh, I said again, I said in a in a review show that I felt like the, the coming year there were clearly defined ones and twos pretty much in every team. Uh, maybe other than BMW, uh, I think Sykes and, and arguably uh, and Laverty are, are actually pretty similar. Uh, People would say the same thing about Vandermark and Raz Kalioglu, and I completely disagree. I really like Vandermark. I think yeah, his I his mean is very high. I think his and he rides to that constantly. Do you not think he's a real thinking rider as well? He might not he be is. the most spectacular, but my goodness me, he can he can plan a race. And sometimes when he's not got the best bike, he will he'll find some way to get it up there, Dex. Well, he's. It, 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 that that is true, and he's for a guy so young. He's mm. he's a he's a relatively young rider. Uh, he's I, I genuinely like him. I think he's I think he is very good. I I think and maybe Nick might disagree, but everything I I see in Razgatlioglu makes me think we have a real the next real world superbike star, and maybe even a, a, a MotoGP crossover. Uh, I think he's. He's he's rough around the edges, but he is so fast, and he is so willing to put the front wheel of the bike where maybe others won't. Uh, and particularly, granted, granted, both he and Vandermark uh, beat Ray in straight fights on occasion last year. I think they're both be in a position to do that this year, and I believe the one who's most likely to do it most regularly will be will be Top Rack. Uh, I really, really like it. I'm stunned that he didn't get, to be honest, that he didn't, with his uh, Keenan Foglu management, didn't get the second uh, Kawasaki ride. But I'm I'm of the opinion that the championship is going to be fought re- week in, week out between Ray, Redding, yeah, and Razgatlioglu. The, the point is, the reason Res- the top rack didn't get the second Kawasaki ride is because he threw his toys out the prowl after Suzuka eight hours. And it's that sort of mentality that means you don't win world championships. It's, it's, yeah, as we all know, when it gets to the very front of the grid, they can yes. all go as fast around the track. It's who's got the best brain. And in some cases, the best luck who wins. So I think top right, yeah, he's going to win races. He's not going to challenge for the championship. No. Michael, Michael van der Mark, well, if he's that good, why did Kawasaki take um, Alex Lowe's? Because they were absolutely a toss-up of Patty 
Yamaha and Kawasaki decided Lotus was better. So um, Yamaha, yep, good. Top rack will win races. Won't challenge the championship. When we yeah, get seven or eight, eight rounds in, he'll be he'll be winning the odd race. He'll be you know, absolutely fantastic for PR, fantastic for the publicity, great to, for, for, for the Turkish nation. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to be proven wrong, and I'm sure he could mount a world championship bid, but I think that's two or three seasons away. Uh, so fourth Nick, for him na- and seventh for his team, mate. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, Nick, one name from you. Who's going to win the title? Jonathan Ray. Uh, for those who didn't hear that, because he mumbled, Jonathan Ray. Declan? Jonathan Ray! <laughs> who's going who's gonna to win the title? Yep. Uh, I think Jonathan Ray is. And John, I think it's. I think I. I honestly think it, uh, uh, it, this is closer to call than it ever has been. And I go with what Deck said about Jonathan Kawasaki. Ray. No, about the Kawasaki. How much more is that to get out of that bike? I. I just think it's someone else's turn. But but the problem I see with that guys is there are so many other good people that will take points from each other. I can always see Jonathan Ray finishing in the top three or four. I can't always see everyone else finishing in the top three or four, and I don't see anybody running away with the championship. So, yes, I, I, it's a cop-out, but that, that's that's what I think about it. If anybody beats him, it'll be Redding. I think Redding proved last year how adaptable he is. Yeah, I agree. That he went to tracks he didn't know. Amazing to think that a Brit went to tracks he didn't know in Britain and did what he did. Uh, his confidence is back. He he was at his lowest ebb, leaving a Priya. Mm. They treated him badly. He was wanted to give up. He he kind of, on a whim, almost uh, said, "Yeah, we'll give British Superbike a go." And and it's and it has basically given him a path back to MotoGP, I believe. And he's 26. Scott Redding is 26. He's had 15 careers, and he's 26 yeah. years of age. <laughs> yeah, top like. Yeah. The top six guys were in day two, uh, Philip Island, 130.448 for Jonathan Ray, then Loris Baz, so that's Kawasaki, Yamaha, Tom Sykes for BMW, Top Rack, uh, Patty Yamaha again, uh, Honda, Leon Haslam, and Scott Redding. And they were four tenths of a second apart, the top six. I mean, that, that, that is, that, there's nothing in that. But that, that sounds like a lot uh, in some motor racing, but on bikes... The consistency is going to be what what gets this 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 year, I think. And a Philip and a Philip Island, that means if it's that close, then you, you have got to go for a Ducati. You have to go because it's all about. If ultimately it's about sticking behind the leader and 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 being able to blast past them across the finish line. Uh, you know, it, 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 that's Philip Island traditionally gives you those unbelievable side by side photo finishes. And and I I kind of get the feeling that. Ducati will just have enough. Reading will have enough over, or maybe even multiple, if not all, of the three races. So if it's if it's if it's going to be Jonathan Ray, you both say for the championship, uh, and Deck says uh, Scott Reading this weekend. Nick, this weekend, Scott Reading can do it. He'll win a race or a couple of races. I think this weekend, I would. Scott's got a really good chance, but I think actually uh, experience will pay. I think Chaz Davis was more likely to win than Scott this week. Oh, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, I am. I'm waiting for Charles Davis, Nick. It's really interesting. Not to fall off. Just don't fall off, Chad. Well, yeah, but also I'm. I'm also waiting for Charles Davis to. Uh, he. It's almost like he needs to repay. The, the, Ducati have put so much faith in him, and granted, he was injured last year, and it took him. It took way more time for him to get used to the to the foibles of the of the new of the new Panigale. But he. We he owes everybody some performances, and and I'm not sure they're in him. Quite frankly. Uh, and Nick, if you believe there, there is, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm. Uh, he, he has a lot to prove. I think. 
I just I want to mention Takumi Takahashi. Only so I can say his team is the uh, MIE Racing Althea and Donna, uh, Althea and Honda team. Sorry, up <laughs> See down. See the top Omni racket. bike and ting. Exactly. Hang on, surely, surely top rack should be on there. <laughs> Very good. Uh, a final word. A final no no word. more final words on from, super bikes. We've me. we've oh, done yeah. we've done predictions for this weekend. We've done predictions for the championship. Let's move on. Declan, do you want to talk about Rwanda? Uh, I do, I do. We don't have time for that. Is it going to be a short or long Rwanda? Uh, I'm going to posit my theories on Rwanda sponsoring Arsenal and recently announced Paris Saint-Germain versus Azerbaijan and and its Grand Prix. Uh, I just, I I can't give you facts that are conclusive one way or the other, but uh, unbelievably, Rwanda had 20,000 visitors from the UK last year, thanks to uh, Paris. Obviously, Fueled by by the Arsenal deal, uh, year on year they get eight or nine percent growth in, in tourism. They believe that the the deal has brought in a five hundred percent return. It's a forty million dollar deal, and it's two hundred million dollars worth of uh, worth of uh, uh, of of tourism. Uh, compare that to uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, again, I did as much research as I could. The majority of of their tourism comes from Russia, which is a neighbour. Uh, make, which makes me believe uh, that the platform exposing them through Grand Prix racing isn't necessarily doing as much as they like. And it, to some extent, yes, it is a tourism uh, uh, ad, but it's also just a bit of a, uh, a vanity project. It's more of a B2B thing than uh, consumer tourism, though, isn't it? Is it, though? Because uh, last a big, year... Last... big oil industry country. It well, it's it's hard to say. So my original uh, theory on this was that that F1 is is just a very cool way for people to lose money and then reverse engineer why they're doing it. Uh, and <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's absolutely serious. That's the, like true. It's like when I buy something I shouldn't at home, and then I, and and I, I'm I'm in the car trying to work out the excuses to why we really need it by the time I get home to tell Cara. So. Uh, it's the same thing. It's I, I honestly believe, and and therefore my my original point of I can't stand the fact that these company these people go to these uh, uh, big uh, conventions and explain to people why it's such an important part of their marketing. It's no, it's vanity. It's it's state controlled vanity, and I, I I absolutely refuse to believe otherwise. The Rwanda deal is a smarter deal. Jacinda Delawell says. Uh... This just uh, made me think if there's an active and vibrant motorsport scene in Rwanda. Yes, of course there is. Uh, Rwanda has a lot of motorsport, although it is mostly rallying, so Nick won't be interested. Um, But it hosts a round of the African Rally Championship in the uh, Mountain Gorilla Rally, which is every October. Sorry, what? No, no, stop. Excellent title. Excellent title. Stop. 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 No, we can't go any further. Please tell me. It's exclusively for Mountain Gorillas. It's I, not. I want that to be... Oh, don't tell me it's just a sponsor. L- no, it's because Mountain Gorillas live How in Rwanda. How can Mountain Gorillas sponsor a rally? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Are you, are, are you, are you now uh, uh, being controversially uh, anti-Mountain Gorilla and saying that I they can't take a... a, a you're being gorillarist and, you, and you're, you're not allowed to take part in society. <laughs> really? Yeah, 
I'm just wondering what man think. I mean, obviously, I, I assume they must have something to barter with, but I just don't see. I, you know, I don't see where the finance is coming from. Listen, mate. If a mountain gorilla like came up to you and said, "I want to sponsor your championship," yeah. first you of all, you'd say, with it. First of all, you'd say, "How come you're talking? I thought you didn't do that." And secondly, you wouldn't argue with them because they are big I, units. I just have, I, I just have visions of, like. Steve, the mountain gorilla, driving, and, and Dave doing the pace notes. But Dave is too busy trying to pick the insects out of Steve's back to read the pace notes. I have this vision of... Do you remember that Not the 9 O'Clock News sketch with yes. uh, Mel Smith yes. and Griffiths Jones? Listening to Johnny well, Mathis. I was, I was, oh, Rowan Atkinson, sorry. Mel Smith yeah. and Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Right. So, um, oh can we move La- on, please? Can last we move on? year, for the first time ever, a Rwandan driver won the Mountain Gorilla Rally. Excluded from not being a gorilla. Um, there's also a national rally championship in uh, Rwanda, the highlight of which is the Rally de Mille Collines, a thousand hills. Mm. Uh, there's a national oh, women's the rally Irish sprint. And is there? A, yes. And there's uh, a national karting championship, which I might have got this wrong, but it does appear to be a support event to the national rally championship. <laughs> And they run on tarmac special stages. Excellent. We like that a lot. Rally uh, karting has to. It should be a thing too. I love that idea. But that's brilliant. No, seriously, that's brilliant. That it, it has, has it has a burgeoning motorsport uh, for all types of simians, not just uh, <laughs> not just human. And if you want to find out more, uh, the RAC is the governing body of uh, Rwanda Auto Club. Yes, uh, and you can find them on Twitter at Motorsport and, RW. And, and Steve's. It's run by Steve Silverback. And, and uh, I've got to tweet about World Superbikes in a minute, but I just I have to get this in. If we're, if we're talking about PR and opportunities for sponsorship, surely that must be guerrilla marketing then, isn't it? Oh, mm. very good. Uh, this on... Do, well, how we didn't get that in early, I don't know. Alan Prosser says, don't know how it happened, but Foggy was... Uh, unbeaten at Assen in World Superbikes, even on the RC45. So Honda were good for some people, sometimes, just never often enough. That's a very good point, Alan. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we're about five minutes past the hour. It's just after nine o'clock, Midweek Motorsport Series 15, Episode 8. Oh, sorry, you caught me off guard there. <clears throat> It's Midweek Motorsport, and here's what's coming up. Uh, still to come tonight, we'll be taking your comments, points arising, and anything else that you've noticed, really, on the FIA World Endurance Championship uh, at quarter at the weekend. Use the hashtag RSLWAC to at Spectatainment. Shit, Adam will be joining us with a bit of American news. I'm not even sure if we can carry on with uh, Dex and Nick more gorillas what other motorsports for no let's not even go there uh, your tweets as I say to at Spectatainment uh, and coming up next we'll be finding out about golf returning to global motorsport it's all in our number two Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com This week on The Grid, we take a deep dive into the opening round of the Supercars Championship and everything that happened at the Adelaide 500. There's chat about crowd numbers, superstars picking up where they left off, and some who perhaps didn't start their season on the best foot or ended it in the turn eight wall. And as always, we're not pulling any punches in the process. 
There's an in-depth chat with former champion Rick Kelly on the rebirth of Kelly Racing as a Ford Mustang team for season 2020. It's an honest and frank chat about the team who only just got two cars on the grid in time for round one. There's all that and all the latest news from Down Under, so join us on the grid this Thursday at 9pm UK time on RS1. Richard Creel and the rest of the team, thank you to everyone who tuned in last week for our first one. If you didn't see the supercars at the weekend, it was worth watching. Creelsey, as you heard, will wind it up. If you can't hear live, uh, Tim, obviously you can download it from radio-show.co.uk, but how yes. else can you get the programme? Uh, it's also available on Apple Podcasts, it's available on Stitcher, it's available on TuneIn Podcasts. Uh, and other is, is it on our our feed as well? Our subscription feed. Yes, right. Yeah, okay, so if good. you're on the uh, normal Wedge Le Mans feed, it'll be on there. Uh, but it's it's got its own little feed on uh, on those uh, sites. Uh, and Declan and has found the uh, the rally plate for the uh, the gorilla the gorilla mountain gorilla rally fourth to sixth of October. Mm. Uh, and I found Gerald the gorilla. Excellent. Very good. Uh, are we letting Nick and Degs go? I've still got them here. I think we can let them go okay, now. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, and we'll speak to Otherwise you next week. Otherwise, we'll be ambushed like gorillas. Indeed. Uh, it's a bit foggy here. Gorillas in the mist, maybe. Uh, thanks to the guys for that. And we're going to have to come back to that. You know that we are. Uh, now, last week, Nick and I... Actually, Nick, are you still Definitely. there? I'm off to Rwanda. Nick, are you there? Oh, he has gone. Uh, Nick, um... Nick was with me last Thursday night when we went to the Royal Automobile Club uh, to hear about the return of golf to top line and global motor racing. Some of you will think, "Mm, did they ever leave? Well, in terms of the corporation, yes, they did. Although there has been one or two cars in the famous colours down through the years. Let's find out a little bit more about this. I spoke on Thursday night to the man at the head of the project, uh, Mark Wessler from Gulf Oil International and Gulf Race Fuels. And first of all, asked him how it was to go to work every day and what sort of challenges he was meeting. We're, we're excited about the, the global opportunity that presents itself with launching this new race fuel program. Every day is, a, uh, is an opportunity. Um, but, you know, to, to represent such an iconic brand in the motorsports industry and, and a brand that is so closely tied to motorsport uh it's in it's a blood work it's in our dna tell me how that's going to work because anybody who knows anything about golf if they're a student of golf they know that over the last reasonable amount of time the the golf brand hasn't been a totally global brand it's been fractured there's been different people who've had the rights to it and such like that are we bringing it all back together here in this program through the race fuel program absolutely it'll be a global program represented by myself and my team uh we'll be headquartered here in the uk uh really? yeah with an opportunity uh you know globally uh we're certainly going to have an influence in the middle east the far east uh you know south africa latin america um, but there's no doubt that golf is uh historied here in europe yeah. right with the lamar the history that and the, the feeling and the emotion that the golf library brings about in people, this was the right place to launch this program. And, and how do you see it going forward and what, what steps have to be taken then to make this work? Because a lot of pro series obviously will have fuel supplies. Well, there's a number of hurdles for sure as, as we start out as a, as a, I mean, golf itself is not a startup company, no. but the race fuel program inside of golf 
as a division of Gulf Oil International is a startup, right? And it's our intention to to put golf back on the map and you know kind of the uh, the, the tagline all evening has been uh, back to the front yeah. and, and that's certainly our our attention we're very well schooled in fuel tenders and controlled fuel programs we understand that a lot of those are tied up initially but it's certainly our objective uh, to throw our name in the hat whenever one of those becomes available and we know that you guys have had associations with two world sport with circuit racing with drag racing um, all kinds of, of stuff down through the years both on and off road are we going to see it in grassroots racing even say down in, in karting absolutely it's our intention to make golf race fuels the choice of you know every 10 year old kid who sits their butt in a go-kart all the way up to the, to the highest level of professional motorsports uh, it's important to us that we find the next generation of petrol head and we give them every opportunity to fall in love with the golf brand already talking to some series and, and when might we hear some news about where we're going to see the brand we haven't necessarily started a bunch of conversations with series it was our intention uh you know over the last uh few months to put this program together we needed to get through tonight we needed to tell the world hey golf's rein reinvented themselves in the motorsports sector it's our intention to use motorsports again as a marketing platform but this time with a with a tangible product uh, that people can use but we certainly hope to secure a series by 2021 okay that's giving yourself some work to do because that's uh, that's not that far not that far away now i know it's uh, slightly a different side of the company but here still in the uk and in certain parts of europe we still have gulf fuel stations service stations as well um do you see the activities that you're doing in racing potentially trickling down into there, in, certainly in terms of things like point of sale and advertising crossover? Absolutely. We're hoping that it gives the station owners some marketing materials, something that helps give their the brand a, a, a refreshing image, right? It helps make it cool again or helps keep it cool. Um, but absolutely, we'll give the, uh, the stations every opportunity to brand themselves as a, uh, as a motorsports program. Where would you like to be in, let's say, five years, ten years down the line? And have you set yourselves goals and key performance indicators? Sure, we've got a number of objectives. The first one ultimately was to get through today, and we feel like we've accomplished that fairly well. The second one is to make golf commercially available, and we've got our eyes set on about 35 countries in which we think are key, key markets for us. That's where there's already a golf available through the lubricant of the gas station branding side but we're really excited about the opportunities that it presents um, you know to say that we have five and ten year goals we certainly do uh, you know those will probably be a little bit moving targets especially working with the new ceo but ultimately we're really excited about him coming on board and where we think we can take golf motorsport in the future we are so used to seeing sky blue and etruscan orange as gulf colors but the gulf logo is actually dark blue and orange how did the racing how did the racing livery get to be light blue rather than the dark blue uh, initially when the brand switched from the darker blue to the lighter blue it was because of the black and white races on tv and the two colors often merged together uh, and there was a buyout of a uh, of another oil company here and they had a lighter blue uh, more of that uh, duck egg or that robin egg blue and that's when the, uh, that got that's when that color became official part of the livery Mark, thank you very much for everything you do. We wish you the best in motorsport. You've got a lot to live up to, but the future starts right now for Gulf Racing Fuels. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. Gulf Race Fuel then uh, back in 
Global Motorsport. Uh, I'm just uh, about to post uh, the link there, but it is uh, gulfracefuels.com if you want to find out any more about that. Uh, Shea Adam is on the line. And as someone who is a history, uh, his uh, student of the sport, as Jeremy Shaw would say, that's got to be good news for everybody. Uh, the idea of bringing the Gulf livery to a new generation is can't be a bad thing because it's it's one of those things that spans generations and gets people talking. Hello. Hello. Yes, it is. Uh, that's yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to be rude. Um, no, golf racing racing is such an integral part of history. And even going back to what he was just mentioning uh, about the fact that black and white TVs were part of the reason that the colors were chosen, so that you could tell them apart before we knew color. I had dinner with my nephews last night who asked what I did before I could just look something up on Wikipedia. So it's a perfect example of how you you can keep a little bit of history in with this new generation. I love it. And we wish them all the best with that. We'll keep you up to date with that as uh, uh, as that goes on. And uh, what have we got, Sean, to talk about tonight then, Tim Gray? Well, let's start with IndyCar. And uh, Arrows McLaren yes. Smith Peter- Schmidt-Peterson have uh, signed another driver for the Indy 500. Yeah, running uh, car number 66. So for us, John, that would be Dirk Mueller, Joey Hand. Yep. But no, it's it's a Spanish guy instead. Fernando Alonso making another run at the Indy 500. Last year, Fernando didn't make the field. The year before that, Aero Schmidt-Peterson didn't make the field. So it's an interesting combination. They didn't make it with uh, James Hinchcliffe. It's an interesting combination of these two entities that have had heartbreak at the Speedway in the past now coming together for success. And also also interesting, it's Padua Ward and Oliver Askew, who are the full-season drivers for Schmidt-Peterson Aero Motorsport Spam, I think is what I've been calling it, um, and trying to remember the uh, abbreviation. But then to them have them rely on someone with the experience of Fernando Alonso at, at Indy, it's going to be a very intriguing trio of cars. Is he going to win it this year? He's got a chance. I don't know. He wants to do it. And he, I think he'll keep trying mm. if if uh, he doesn't win it. But is he in with a chance this year? Is he in with a better chance this year than he has been in the past? No, because you always have the same. It's always one in 33. One of the 33 drivers who starts is going to win the thing. Uh, and as we've learned in the past, John, you really can't rely on somebody in the month of May, May, then resulting in them having a good race. I mean, yeah, it happened last year for Simon Pagano, and, and it does tend to favor drivers who can come in and be strong. Consider it's been Penske drivers who have won five of the last six races at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But just because you sign up with a good team doesn't give you a better chance than someone who signs up with a not good team. If it's your day, it's your day. Tim? Uh, stay in America. Let's move to Las Vegas. Do we really? Do you want us to move to Las oh. Vegas? Do well, you want, would you like to move to Las Vegas, uh, Shay? Uh, no, but my Raiders are. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Shay doesn't mind so much because the because the Raiders are moving there. The, the team that she's never been to see because they are currently exactly. even further away than Las Vegas. Hmm. True enough. They're getting closer I mean, they're getting to closer you eventually. I like my ocean. Yeah. 
One day they'll be here. The Fort Lauderdale Raiders. Does that work for you? Totally. Anyway, let's sorry. send the Dolphins to Vegas. <laughs> uh, sorry, Las Vegas. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, so NASCAR was there. Standing ovation for Ryan Newman. Yes, which it's very good. We did get an update uh, over the weekend. He suffered a head injury. We don't know the extent, but we know that he is still being treated. And Ross Chastain has stepped into his number six Ford in the meantime. Ross will be driving it again this weekend when they're out in California. But uh, it's good to know that Ryan Newman, who managed to get away from that accident with minimal injury, is constantly on the minds of all the fans out there that that's a really good thing to know too what happened on track at uh, vegas uh in which of the four uh, which of the three races we're talking about the big in one the xfinity and the big one. If, do you okay. want to talk in, about xfinity i, I do because to, I it has relevance Michelin Pilot Challenge, two of the names that John and I are really familiar with, Chase Briscoe versus Austin Sindrick going for the win. It was a very close finish, but ultimately Chase Briscoe came away with the W. In the trucks, well, I'll save the trucks for last, actually. In the big show, it was Joey Logano versus William Byron on the restart. There were five cars that decided to stay out, a bunch of cars behind pitted. They went for fresh tires, including Jimmy Johnson, who, by the way, made a spectacular pass around the bottom side on the restart and gained a couple of positions. He was looking really good. But it was ultimately two years in a row for the Pennzoil sponsor, Joey Logano, who took home big trophy of his main sponsor of the race. So be, be a little controversial if you want. Have the, uh, the suspicions arising. But no, Joey, who comes away with a race win... It was a very good race. Uh, Before that, though, for Ryan Blaine, who was dicing back and forth. So Penske, once again, looking like a very strong team. But it was a caution about halfway round. Well, no, I guess it was at the start of the final lap. So they were doing a green-white checker to begin with. And when they threw the green, they ran a clear lap. They threw the white flag, Legato saw it, and then they started wrecking behind him. The commentators were actually confused. They thought it was going to be another green-white checker. But since Logano had already received the white flag, it was done. And Joey walked away with the big trophy. But it's interesting to me what happened in the truck race. Because, again, Kyle Busch runs in the truck race, wins the truck race. He's now done this five times in a row. He Or seven times in a row. He did it five times last year. Ran five truck races and won all of them. As a result, Kevin Harvick has put a bounty bounty on him. $50,000 for any full-time cup driver races a truck and beats Kyle Busch in his next four races. So now you've got Twitter exploding with part-time cup drivers saying, can I do this? Can I do this? So it's going to make things even more fun when Kyle Busch does run the truck races. Uh, Let's move on to... Uh, the big race then. She just did the big oh, race. Oh, you've done the big race. Yeah, Fine yeah, enough. I wasn't race. really paying attention. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Uh, uh, got let's move on news. to Clint Boyer then. <laughs> All right, okay, fine. Uh, who is suing Tony Stewart for uh, $2.2 million. Is he? No, he's Why? not. Uh, he's suing H. Scott Motorsports for $2.2 million. Unpaid wages? Why is uh, he doing yes. that? Unpaid yeah. wages. Oh. And what does that uh, um, apply oh, to? 
that uh, alleges that H. Scott Motorsport and Harry Scott uh, missed a total of $1.2 million in payments between October and November and $1 million in commission for sponsorship. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's a steep amount of money. Yes. I'm in the wrong job. Uh, <laughs> a team spokesman uh, would not discuss details of the suit, but called it frivolous and capricious. Oof. Well done. Mm. Well done. Uh, got any sports car news? Bit of... Uh, did I see that there's, racing... Sorry, go ahead. Tim. There's a lot of sports car news, isn't right, there? Right, right, go on. Uh, where do you want to start? UK or start with, Let's or? start with Imza, as we've got Shea. Okay. On you go. Well, Shea can do that. Ah, he's there. Shea, did you see... Um, after... I know you didn't catch the WEC at the weekend because you were um, out of cell phone um, coverage. Yes. Um, how was the moon? Uh, was that good? Um, they... <laughs> Actually, uh, I left another flag there. Good. Excellent. Was it a Raiders flag, presumably? Obviously. Obviously. Uh, Racing Team Netherlands, talking about coming to uh, race in IMSA with the P2 car. Well, that makes sense because they do have a driver who's done a little bit of driving in the U.S., sort of coverage that you can get from being over here. And keep in mind, we saw uh, Yumbo sponsorship on a couple of drivers in IMSA last, so that wouldn't be the uh, the, uh, the most surprising news in the world. Well, and I think it's tied into a couple of things. They're, they already have um, Threnus VK in, uh, on the IndyCar ladder, don't they? And I'm told from our uh, Netherlands connections um, that Yumbo is trying to expand into the states if not already planning to open some stores so get ready for the bright yellow supermarkets near you somewhere so keep an eye open for that what else have you got from uh, from sports car news in the states here i've got one. uh nothing that i can think of just more testing that's been going on there it was very successful last week there was a little bit of rain remember we talked about all the different teams running at sebring there was a little bit of rain in one of the mornings, but other than that, it seemed like pretty clear running, and uh, everybody seems satisfied as far as I can tell. There's more testing at Sebring next week, including, as Tim Gray has just dropped into our Skype chat, Compass Racing will be doing shakedown testing of their car, both at Sebring and then at Road Atlanta. Now, wow. each classification gets a certain number of test days per year. ATD, you only get Four. So the Compass McLaren is going to be burning all four of its test days in the span of about 10 days, I think it is. Well, that's, that's um, but they're new... clearly... Sorry, Shea. That's that's not a new car it, then. Compass have, have run McLaren before. A new car. They ran it last year with um, Paul Holton and Matt Plum. Matt Plum now with TGM and their Chevy Camaro. But for this team, the other driver that's listed on the testing list is none other than Ben Barnicote. Ah. That means two, two gold drivers are testing this car, which is not a lineup that you can run in GTD. Ben is a McLaren boy, so clearly they're looking to try and figure out something with their car. And remember, John, they had a lot of issues with the car over the course races that they ran they were looking for some answer so we did not expect to see them at daytona we do not expect to see them running at the 12 hours of sebring unless something changes within their plans we're expecting them to just be a sprint team but it will be interesting to see them at sebring next 
drive up just to see what's going on. Uh, and Tim, is this as a prelude to something um, for Compass Racing coming back into IMSA? Uh, I believe they will be doing uh, GTD at uh, Long Beach. Oh, all right. Yeah, because they, they do run in the Sprint Championship. Ah, yes, the Sprint. So we expect to see them come to Long Beach. Of course. That, is that the first round of the Sprint Championship? It is. Right. Correct. And it's different because this year is the first year that G is being allowed back to Long Beach. Remember, they haven't been there the last couple of years. So they've been invited to run once again. But that race, like Detroit, is a sprint-only round of the championship. Right. Got you. Yes, I'd forgotten about that entirely. So thank you for reminding me about that. Um, Starting to build excitement for the Super Sebring, of course. Uh, I saw that... uh, the already, I think there's already people queuing to be to be honest to to get in. Uh, Tim, I, what... I noticed that from space, John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what else you got, Tim, for for ship? Uh, well, more sports car news. Not American. Well, okay. slightly American. Go on then. Uh, because we have some American drivers uh, racing in the um, GT4 uh, championship. Uh, in the shape of Tyler Cook and Chandler Hull. Tyler Cook, who we know quite well, Shea Adam. Yeah, we do. Tyler, who's been in the Michelin Pilot Challenge for quite some time. He ran an Audi last year, but prior to that, he's been a BMW guy through and through. Started off in MX5 Cup, always been racing in the... He has done the Nürburgring. He's done a few VLNs before because that's the track that he and his dad, his late father, grew up watching and dreaming about racing one day. So it's really cool to see that Tyler is going to be taking a step towards racing more in Europe in GT4. So that's going to be a big thing. And also coming back to BMW, sharing a car with uh, Mr. Hull, who is from Texas. So Mm. a guy that they've become familiar with running in SRO. They, they've run TC car. They're yeah. pretty sure TC for the America. same, the same team, but he's yeah. also going to be doing uh, stepping the, up to GT four. He's also going to be doing the VLN this year with uh, Cameron Evans back again, reunited with James Clay Clay. Yes. yes. And James Clay. Yes. As well uh, for the 24 hour race. Yeah. Yeah, so that it's very exciting to see that news drop into the inbox. I'm I'm, I'm very pleased for Tyler. Uh, TC America unfortunately conflicts with the first round of the European GT4 Championship at Silverstone. That's May seventh to ninth. So Charlie Postens, uh, who's his teammate in the ADSC Championship, uh, will drive with Tyler uh, Postens, who is originally from here in the UK, has carved off a successful career in single seaters and Renault Clios before moving to the US in the nineties. Uh, sees this one-off race very much as a homecoming to his racing roots. He says, we wish them the best. I'm going to have a little dodge down with that if I'm I've uh, some, around. I've got some British GT news. Have you? Yes. By the way. But I'm going to start by talking about British touring cars. Because? Because last year... Was it last year or the year before? Right. Uh, Toyota uh, returned as mm. a works entry with uh, Speedworks running their... Uh, Toyota Corolla. Yes. And now Speedworks is going to enter a uh, Toyota Supra GT4 yes. British GT Championship. Now, this is interesting. Um, very interesting indeed. Um, the new Supra 
which is platform sharing with the new BMW M4. It looks so much like the BMW. It does in profile, but not from the front or the back. Uh, particularly yeah, not when from the front, but I think, yeah, even from the back it does. If you see them on the road, uh, seriously, they are um, very, very distinctively uh, different. Um, Speedworks has been chosen as a priority customer for this new GT4 car. Toyota Motorsport uh, in Germany built them, uh, and it's Sam Smelt who raced in the BTCC a couple of years yeah, but ago. but not for Speedworks. No, I know that. Um, and James Kell, who I remember from Janetta's. Um, he was in, uh, in the Super Cup last year, wasn't he? Yeah, probably. He certainly did uh, Janetta Juniors when he was young enough. Yeah, he was only race. Uh, I think he only started racing a couple of years ago. Uh, Christian Dick is at the man, uh, the man at the head of Speedworks, and uh, they've been watching the car being tested and developed in Spain. He says, "I can vouch for the fact that it's a tremendously impressive piece of kit, superbly built with plenty of grunt, and the program will dovetail nicely with our BTCC commitments." Uh, I think that's the first of the, in fact it is the first of the GR uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing um, Supers. developed Supras in the UK, isn't it? Yes, mm. uh, but the GT Championship starts at uh, Easter. Does it? Yes. Mm. I'm now free for that, so unless I get a drive elsewhere. I might go and see that. Anything else for Shea? Uh We've got another sports car story. Excellent. Uh, Super GT has released its entry list. Yes. 40, did I say 45 cars? 45 on cars on it. That is the capacity, so uh, no empty grid slots. Um, again, Super GT still taking a view as to whether their season will uh, start as planned, again, due to coronavirus. And the split on that, by the way... It's 30 and 15, I believe. 30 GT 300s. And 15 GT500s. It's only Honda, Nissan and Toyota, of course, this year. Yes. Uh, six Toyota GR Supras. Five from Sadomo, Saad and Toms running on Bridgestones. Team Bano will have Yokohamas. Five NSX GTs. Arta, uh, Kunimitsu team. Uh, Kehin Real Racing Bridgestone Shod Cars plus a Yokohama entry from Mugen and a Dunlop entry from Nakajima Racing. I d- uh, Nissan 4GTRs, NDDP Racing and Nismo uh, with Dunlop, Team Impul and Condor, Michelin's and Yokohama's on those cars. I like the fact, Shea, uh, that there's a tyre wall in GT500 and I, I think that really adds something to that, that category. I know there's only... Um, 15 cars but it, it adds something particularly when the tyre companies don't necessarily all support you know it's not like one tyre company has all the Nissans as you heard there it, it's, it changes things up a bit It does and I mean I, I was even starting to do some Super Sebring homework today and noticing on the, the WEC's entry list that there's a tyre war in LMP2 just being reminded of that once again that's something that sort of gets you a bit excited so seeing that there's a tyre war in a series as prominent and popular and successful as Super GT. That's really exciting, too. And didn't I see, who was it, Christopher Mies is going to be running in Super GT next year? Yeah. This year? Yeah, and Nicky Team. That's really cool, too. Yeah, uh, Nicky Team goes on to D-Station with, uh, and they're actually on Michelin's, which is the fourth tyre brand in GT, uh, uh, GT 300. 
as well. Although, did I see that uh, the defending champions aren't coming back? Team Le Mans? No, they're not. Just reading through this on Sportscar365. Well done to uh, Dan Lloyd uh, for putting that all together. Uh, lots of sports car drivers at Formula E for the test as well, Shea. Yeah, people like Alice Powell, Nick Cassidy, Jamie Chadwick. But then we've also got people that we're really familiar with. Thomas Prining, Fred McAvecki, Pippo Durrani. Um, Kyle Kirkwood was picked right. to go over there and do that too. Philippe Albuquerque, Jan Mardenborough. So these are names that we're used to calling every weekend. Daniel Ucadella, Norman Nato, Kelvin Vanderlinde. That was the other big one that I was trying to remember. Kelvin, the Audi boy. So it's been really fun to watch them on social media. Pippo went over early. He was talking about his return to single-seaters, John, by riding a camel. So very good. <laughs> a uh, lot Pippo Durrani's camel uh, tweet is very funny. Very funny, yeah. It's Yes, he's uh, he's got a good sense of humor about it. But it, it actually gives me a reason to pay attention to the Formula E stuff going on next week just because of so many of our friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. Now, as you started with Super Sebring, then uh, a reminder that we will have full uh, live and uninterrupted coverage from Wednesday of race week. Uh, that's a couple of weeks away now that there will be no midweek motorsport that week. There simply isn't time to fit it into the schedule because we've got cars on track uh, on the Wednesday when we should be, um, when we'd normally be on air for midweek motorsport. So I'm warning you ahead of time, we will be covering every single session of the WEC as well as the Michelin Pilot Challenge and uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championships. And we're the only, it's the only place that you'll be able to hear all of the sessions live, free, uninterrupted, only place where you can hear all of the WEC sessions. And I'm actually looking forward to it, particularly with the, the move of the WEC race earlier in the day on Friday, Shea, that's going to make a huge difference to everybody who's working there, not least the trap marshals. It is going to be a godsend to all of us that we're not there super late, that it will be done, checkered over at a reasonable time. Uh, people will continue to party through and through. I mean, Green Park and Turn 10 never quiet down. It's true. But even looking at the way that the schedule pans out, John, the fact that we have uh, practice, and for WeatherTech, we've got the Michelin Pilot Challenge with their race on Thursday. Correct. And then qualifying for the WEC following that. It's going to make everything a lot less stressful that we're spacing this out a bit better. And part of that is because the WEC race has moved up on Friday. So it's going to make for a boring day on Friday for the WeatherTech competitors, they're going to be done nice and early. Their qualifying is over. And by the way, something to touch on, the qualifying for WeatherTech, GTD and GTLM will be out on track together for their 15-minute session. That is going to be iffy because we're going to have a lot of cars out on the circuit at the same time, 3.27 miles. Everybody should be able to get a clear lap, but if some of the GTLM drivers feel that there's a GTD driver blocking them, they're going to have to use patience, and not many of them know what that word means. Um, so because of the schedule, they'll be done by 10.30 in the morning, and we'll transition into focusing on the WEC. So it'll be a nice, balanced day for both sets of competitors, but it also means that 
the WeatherTech competitors get an opportunity to sit back, relax, and enjoy watching a race if they want. Yeah, they can watch a bit of the race, absolutely. Uh, don't forget as well, uh, we mentioned this at the weekend, uh, the U.S. Uh, change its clocks and spring forward before we do here in Europe. So the time difference that week to the U.K. will go from being five hours to the UK to only four hours to the UK. So it's it's an hour less uh, than normal, that time difference. Uh, all of the schedule is on the foot of www.radio-show.co.uk and that's a couple of weeks' time. And as I say, remember, they will not have a midweek motorsport uh, that week. Are we about finished with Shea? Have you got more for her too? Uh, I think we're about finished with Shay. Because uh, I don't think she'll want to contribute much to the next story. Which is what? Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, more uh, British city centre motorsport venue threatened by developers. Oh, no, you're kidding me. Bye. Uh, all right, Cher, thanks very much. Speak to you next week. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Cher Adam joining us from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Right, what's this? What? Because uh, is this a follow-up on wheels or is this... This is new. Right, well, okay. but it's not new because it opened in 1926. It's nearly 100 years old. The Grand Old Lady of Bellevue. In Manchester? In Manchester. Right, I've been to Bellevue Stadium in Manchester. One of the most uh, popular stock car racing venues in Europe. Right. Uh, is under immediate threat from developers who want to knock it down and build uh, 247 houses. Right. Excellent. I suppose it's better than them building houses next to it and then having people complain of the noise from the stadium, but or at least it's different. It's not better, should I say. It pro- uh, will provide no leisure alternatives for current residents or indeed future residents. Mm. Uh, there is a petition that's been started and being backed by the Mayor of Manchester. And we should follow up and actually say... The excitement that we had about Wales being quote-unquote saved was fairly short-lived because it looks like the gates have closed on uh, Birmingham Wales forever. If, yes. you, if you remember, the uh, the council were very keen on getting people off the area and uh, it seems as soon as they got vacant possession, they pretty much locked it up so nobody could get back on. And they have offered uh, a... Uh, a year's extension to the businesses on there. What they haven't done is fixed any of the problems that have happened after recent uh, storms took out at least one of the transformers there, so part of the site's got no electricity at the moment. And none of the site has any electricity because you need all three transformers. Right. Uh, I believe one transformer is doing each phase. Ah, right, okay. So that hasn't been fixed yet. The businesses aren't very happy, and still we haven't had any answers from Birmingham Council about the their requirement to provide alternative facilities for a sporting venue. Um, they, um, we've sent a follow-up to them and they haven't come back to us and it would seem now that sadly after we thought that things were looking up for Birmingham Wales that that's closed for good. So um, it's not, I'm afraid our everybody's um, Efforts in keeping that open seem to have come to naught. Can't be Bellevue as well, surely. Bit of uh, bit of rumour, okay, about uh, next year's World Rally Championship. Oh, some new places to go. 
Uh, no, some places that we've uh, been, or certainly some countries we've been to been before. before. Yes. Um, in New Zealand. Right. Uh, sorry, not New Zealand, Australia, which would replace New Zealand, which only came back this year. Yeah. Um, there is one new one uh, rumoured, which is Croatia. That would be fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, obviously is, this, is this in addition or instead of? That'll be instead of something else. Right. Um, the, the calendar's not out yet. This is, so no, this this is, is just this a is rumor. very much rumour. Yeah. And uh, the calendar will come out late August, early September, I'd have thought. We need to get Ben on and find out what he's finding out, Ben Consanguris. Well, the next rally isn't uh, for a while yet there's in a long Mexico. Gap. Correct. There's a long gap. Is it six weeks? It takes a long time to get from Sweden to Mexico. Mm. Um, ben Constantius, who uh, almost by accident has become our WRC correspondent. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to a bit of WEC? Yes, because uh, what we didn't do at the weekend was post-race tech. Yes. Um, so you've been sending in your uh, comments, points arising and observations and questions. Uh, to. You've also been sending in pictures of gorillas and tweets about gorillas, but we'll... we'll Put those to one side for now. Even though they are amusing. Uh, Sarah Rigby says, I know it was mentioned during the race, but can we give due uh, praise to Paul Dallalana for his superb double stint in the 98 Aston Martin uh, following his return to racing, following his scheming injury. Very impressed with his racing. It was um, an ankle injury, wasn't it? Achilles injury. Uh, and there was a couple of um, multi-barreled Pauls. Paul Dallalana and... Uh, Paul DeResta, uh, who both came in for quite a lot of praise from the audience at the weekend. Paul DeResta um, started the race for United Autosport, got off the race, uh, got off the grid uh, slowly because of a problem with the car, but that cleared itself. Then they realised then they realised they put the wrong compound of tyres on. They tried to go into the first couple of stints of the race with the same compound that they qualified on. Paul realised that early, brought the car in five laps short of its full stint. Um, actually, maybe uh, he, he was doing 23s and he came in after 16, so that's a bit more than that, seven laps um, off the end of the stint. Then Philippe Albuquerque and the very impressive Phil Hansen, who was on the show last week on the big interview, drove the wheels off the thing before giving it back to Paul DeResta for the final stint. And Gary Robertshaw, uh, who is their race engineer and good friend, uh, of our say on Midweek Motorsport, who I've known for many years, a very good race driver in his own right and an exceptionally talented engineer and uh, aging computer wizard as well. Oh, sorry, old computer wizard. Not him, the computers. Uh, he's become a bit of an expert in um, old operating systems, uh, working for United, looking after Zach Brown's older race cars. Gary pulled an absolute belter in terms of the strategy and managed to get the 22 car in and out for its final splash because they were off kilter. There were a couple of cars that went to the end, uh, including uh, Anthony Davidson, who his car went to the end, but they were too far back. They'd eased their pace too much, and uh, it was a second consecutive win then for United Autosports. Um, uh, This from... uh, Who is this from? Uh, what good are notebooks? Ah, oh, yes, fantastic. Any thoughts on why the series thought fueling Corvette for one fewer stop at best, which they managed to pull off without wear shrinking the restrictor plate um, when caught at uh, part one and part two, section one and section two, I much of fast track is Daytona. Um, Corvette, I listened carefully to what uh, 
Doug Feehan and Dan Binks were talking about at the weekend and Jan Magnussen. I don't think they expected to be anywhere near competitive. It's a car that the WEC don't have any data on, therefore the rolling BOP is difficult for them. Uh, I think they'll expect to have a better BOP come Sebring, a circuit that they know very well, although uh, they've only tested there, of course, with the new mid-engine car. And uh, their avowed intent being in the WEC for these couple of races is only to get some data to help them when they get uh, to Le Mans. LMP1 success handicap. Uh, That was the big talking point at the weekend. Kevin Payne notes this. Uh, like all attempts in the past few years to make it close at the front of the field, a success handicap has failed. Right turn lover have followed the quarter race only with the occasional glance on timing. Was the LMP1 as non-existent as it looked rebellion, romping away from the less hampered Toyota and the more hampered uh, Toyota and, and the more hampered and romping away from the more hampered Toyota. Uh, they put a lap on the second Toyota. Um, which was extraordinary. Really wasn't a race in P1. Now, you, you see, I've said that, and Scott Third Wheel, White End Dog, Andrew Minette, uh, Valiant Thor all had things to say uh, on this. Um, Rebellion still had to get the job done, and they drove flat out. They absolutely drove flat out. Any hint of a problem in that car, and Toyota would still have won. Um, I get that there wasn't door-to-door racing, which we've sort of become used to in endurance racing in the last few years, but that was as close an endurance race as I was watching. I'd have been desperately excited about that a few years ago uh, in terms of when I first started watching endurance races, and if the leader in the second-place car within five laps at the end of the race you thought was a close race... I, I thought Rebellion, uh, Huda Shornak and the Orica guys, um, and it was good to uh, also uh, see uh, the remains of uh, the old Rebellion team in there with Bart Hayden in the pit lane as well, with his uh, big smile in there as well. Who knows what the future holds for them. They had to execute, and they did, and all three drivers drove the wheels off that RB th- uh, the R13. Are they now going to be heavily penalised for Sebring, though? Well, yes, of course, because that's how it works. It's about how many... We, we went through this, didn't we? It's about how many... Um, and it, Johnny was trying to explain this because they were trying to balance it. Because there's so few cars in the field now and Janetta didn't turn up and we wait to find out whether Janetta are on the, on the entry list for Sebring, I somehow doubt they will be. I think they'll be back for Spa and Le Mans if they're allowed to be. Um, and... Um, the reference car was meant to be the Janetta, but with that car not being there, th- there was a like a ghost car that was the reference car, which I, I kind of don't understand, if I'm honest. Um, but ultimately, it all doesn't matter because Rebellion can't build up enough points in the championship, even if they win and keep winning, to beat the Toyotas because it's double points at Le Mans and the the success handicap disappears at Le Mans. Well, what if the Toyotas don't finish at Le Mans? They'd score nothing. Mm. You think that's likely? Well, let's put it this way. Toyotas don't have the best finishing record at Le Mans. 
Dave Alcock says, uh, after Toyota had to run with one wheel tied behind their back, does the AC on the FIA need to take another look at success handicap in LMP1? I don't see what other way you can do it. Um, and I know that they're trying to make a race out of it. It would have only taken a botched pit stop or a puncture or something for that to have been a very interesting race. Um, but, it, you know, I was still interested to see how well the Rebellion performed. I don't think you can take anything away from them. I don't think you can, and I said this in the commentary, I don't think you can criticise Toyota for the support that they have given to the World Endurance Championship when they came in early and they've stayed in supporting it and they've committed to uh, a hypercar class that is becoming ever more redundant it would seem um, from the manufacturers who wanted to who wanted it in the first place, who have now decided, like McLaren, that they're not going to support it. We don't know what Aston Martin's going to be doing. Hmm. I, I I don't think you can you can criticise Toyota. It's not their fault that Audi were forced out and Porsche then decided to leave. Um, they're just doing what they do. Um, Kazna, was it Kaznakajima was fairly um, uncompromising. He says diplomatically about what he said. He's clearly not enjoying it, but it'll it'll all be back to normal at Le Mans, and the Toyotas will be just as fast as they always were, and you know, and they'll still be a spectacular. There'll be a great race in LMP2. One of the things we saw at the weekend with the race in LMP2 was absolutely stunning, and if that is what uh, DPI 2.0 is going to look like with different bodywork and with manufacturer interest, then yeah, sign me up now. That's absolutely what we want. Uh, really, really interesting. Um, other than that, the, both the GT battles were fantastic. Aston Martin with two great wins. Great to see Dave King and John Gore. Uh, David King, the man at the head of Aston Martin Racing. John Gore, the man who manages the programme for ProDrive, on the ProDrive side of things as a Aston Martin Racing contractor. They were delighted on the pit lane and it's good to see uh, David King's face absolutely lit up with a win in both categories uh, and a hard-fought race in both categories. And after the few weeks that Aston have had, um, I thought that was good to see. The, the other thing I do want to say about Aston, Tim, if we've got a sec, is just to say mm-hmm. I am I am very disappointed with the poor quality of reporting by even financial journalists in some of the British t- papers that are that have, that have trying to peddle the story that Aston Martin are near bankrupt or were near bankrupt before Lawrence Stroll stepped in. That's not the case at all. They're still going to make £160 million this year. And given that the cost of floating the company for the IPO uh, last year cost them uh, £160 million or thereabouts, and last year's profits were about 260 million. Year on year, they're actually doing better this year than they did last year in the terms in terms of reporting. And it is it is absolutely disgraceful how the situation has been misrepresented. That the to say that Aston is on their last legs. They're a profitable company and they've been in profit for quite a long time and they're still going to make a profit this year. Yes, a reduced profit and they put a profits warning out. That's what you do when you've just invested in a brand new model and a brand new factory. And by the way, you're not part of a massive group, so you have to do that alone. Plus, you didn't manage to sell the old Vantage 
and all its tooling and the IP to the Chinese for half a billion, which is what they expected to do. Half a billion, by the way, rumoured the amount of money that Lawrence Stroll's consortium have uh, invested in Aston Martin. He's taken a 16.7% uh, interest in the company by buying shares, and he's now, of course, the chairman of the company. And uh, then, as I say, they had to pay for the uh, IPO and buy people out of shares uh, at over... 160 million pounds, 62 million of which was to staff share options, um, then they're still doing all right. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Time for one more story. Uh, thank you, by the way, for your uh, WAC comments. Uh, Sebring is the next round, as we mentioned earlier on It's All Live. Quick reminder, tomorrow night on the grid with Creelzy. And you heard what we'd be talking about. He'll be talking about tomorrow. And if you can't catch it on RS1 when we play it out uh, tomorrow, then you can download it from the website or from the places that Tim was mentioning earlier. Final story then, Tim. I want to take you to a tropical island in the Indian Ocean. Okay, thanks very much, Tim. Uh, to the east of Madagascar. Yeah. But to the west of Mauritius. Yeah. La Réunion. Right. Now, as far as I know... There has not been a driver from Réunion in international motorsport. Right. There is now. This year, that's going to change. Right. Uh, because uh, Arden has signed one to race in uh, the Formula Renault Euro Cup. His name is Rashad de Gerous, mm-hmm. Uh And he's 16 year o- years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he did race in F4 in the uh, in that FIA motorsport game scene that happened at Valalunga at the end of last year, right. where he was uh, representing France uh, rather than Réunion, presumably because they needed uh, two of them and uh, he couldn't find another driver from Réunion, okay. uh, which is part of France, of course. It's a French protectorate, isn't it? It's a French département. Oh, is it? Yes. It's okay. uh, one of the overseas departments. Okay. Uh, along with, um, what's that island near St. Lucia? <laughs> no clue. Move on. And also French Guyana. All right. Uh, so, Formula Renault Euro Cup, which uh, might start at Monza or might not, uh, and then goes to Silverstone, the Nürburgring, Barcelona, and of course uh, it supports the Monaco Grand Prix. Finish off with some tweets tonight, I think. Andrew Martha says, I wouldn't hold your breath trying to get anything sensible out of Birmingham. Councillors like drawing blood from a storm. But if you do uh, persist, do ask about their plan to transform the city's transport system to serve all those new houses they're planning. We will do. Um, Kevin Plain says, totally agree. Hats off to Rebellion Racing for a great performance at the six hours of Corsa. I think we've all been spoilt over the years, but close racing in other classes kept me interested. That's why we love multi-class racing. Uh, Nick Holland says, Toyota no longer need to stress their cars at Le Mans. I still think they'll drive fast. I just think that's what they'll do. And yet there's no way you're going to slow down Kaz Nakajima in qualifying. And don't forget, we've got Super Pole, sorry, Ipa Pole uh, in uh, qualifying this year. I think that's Toyota's opportunity to turn the wick right up and show us what they can do. And I think they'll take that opportunity. I really, really do. And uh, then do an engine change on Friday. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Perfect. And, and that's within the rules, Tim. And I, I absolutely yeah. think they'll do that. Uh, Dave Alcock says, uh, totally agree with John's thoughts. I don't think anyone can be critical of either Rebellion or Toyota. Both are just running to the rule book that they've been given. I also think the LMP2-based LMDH class will be spectacular with the DPI 2.0 concept cars. I don't disagree with that. Thanks to our guests tonight. A particular thank you uh, to everyone at Prover PR and uh, Emma Bearpark for the invitation to the RAC. Mark Wessler was the man from Gulf who was on the show this evening. And don't forget, tune in tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Creelsey and the team for On The Grid on RS1 or download it if you can't listen as we play it out. Tim Gray was our executive producer. The responsible adult is always everywhere. And there's no time to explain because the llama is on two wheels this weekend. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.